Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. My name is Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. And this is the show where geeks talk about God and God followers talk about geeky things. Mike, uh, dude, you're back. We both you're, are back. I'm about but to say, you're back too. <laughs> yes. So who wants to go first? Who wants to uh, to tell their grand story? Well, I have a funny feeling that, that my grand story is going to last a while because it's actually on theme on for topic. the podcast. All right, fair enough. So I, I, but, but the people do want to know how the family enjoy Disneyland. Oh, yeah. So we, uh, we spent uh, about, uh, what, eight or nine days at Disney World, uh, did all of the parks there, made a little bit of a detour down to Hogsmeade. And uh, had a real good time, you know. Our kids are perfect age for Disney World, and uh, you know we we were there long enough that we didn't feel like we had to rush through things. So you know we could kind of cruise and uh, spend a half a day here, half a day there, and still got to see everything. And um, though I will tell you, I I felt a little, you know, uh, the last will become first guilty. Okay. All right. So. Uh, we got selected for to to uh, preview or to test uh, this program that they're looking to start at Disney World. Disney yeah, you had too, the, the cool little the cool little band right. thing. Yeah, they call it the Magic Bands, right? And so, as part of that, you can. Uh, so, if you've ever been to Disneyland or Disney World before, you know the lines are extraordinarily long. I mean, for the popular rides, it could easily be an hour, sometimes even two. Uh, and to a long time ago now, maybe what fifteen, twenty years ago, even. They uh, they began doing the system called fast passes, where you could take your ticket and you could go to the ride, put your ticket in, and it would give you a a pass, a return pass, and you could it'll tell you you know maybe five hours from now you can come back in a one hour period and you can cut straight to the front of the line basically. Well, it's always been that you can only do one of those at a time, so you could go to the theater, you could put in for your favorite ride uh, and then you can just kind of, you you just wait around and go in lines for everything else. Well, the deal with these magic passes is they let you pre-assign, before you even get to the park, anywhere between three and five fast passes. So basically what was happening was we had our whole day scheduled. So we'd get there and like walk straight to the front of the line on the first ride then walk straight to the front and nobody had these pa- these bands and so we'd be walking up and there's a little scanner next to the front of the ride and you just scan your band and they're like here you go sir hop right on and everybody's looking at us like who are these like are they royalty what who are these people who are these people and how do i become them <laughs> uh, you know but you do feel kind of bad you know and and i think it was splash mountain the one that really hit me like because the line for Splash Mountain is very windy and it's it's very cool on the inside and all of that, and so I'm we're just zipping past everybody and everybody's kind of looking at us like we hate you. I don't know who you are, I don't know what you're doing, but we hate you. And uh, to you know, and to make it worse, it's like it's like you know, with the heat factor, 120 degrees or something like that for all these people who are standing in these lines. Uh, so I did feel a little bit bad about that. But Wait, did you did you come off of Splash Mountain go? Man, that was refreshing. Dude, I'm afraid of heights. Okay? So you you want the ultimate Splash Mountain story. Here we go. So we're going on Splash Mountain, and 
if you've never been on the ride or if you don't remember the ride, uh, it's, you know, kind of nice. You're going through a t- very typical Disney ride with all the kind of the story of of uh, Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox, which is an interesting story that we could get to another day uh, about Disney movies, but it's not really about this show, so we won't do that. But um, And then there's a drop, and it's relatively short. And a few minutes, maybe a minute later, you go up, and then you drop. And it's maybe kind of medium. And I'm riding with my youngest daughter. Okay? And after every single drop, she's like, oh, was that the big one? No, it's not the big one. I'm, like, terrified. Okay? <laughs> so we finally are... We, we All the way up, you know, to the top of the big drop, right? We drop down. I'm screaming. I'm terrified. We get down to the bottom. It makes the big splash. My daughter says, Hey, I found two pennies. (laughs) She literally found two pennies on the seat of Splash Mountain on the way down the hill. And was way more impressed with that than she was with the ride. Than she was with the thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, You know, if you're ever going to do a vacation as a family... Man, Disney treats you right. They take care of everything, and that's nice. You know, I don't like I don't like user difficult vacations. Like I'm not the kind of person who wants to rough it on my vacation and do the hostels and ride on the train and all that kind of thing. No, no. I want somebody to, you know, carry me from place to place and bring me food and drink whenever I want it and that kind of thing. Um and so Disney is very good at providing all of that. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun. Uh, got back. Uh, it was like 1 or 2 in the morning our time, which is like, you know, hey, I was on Eastern time for a little while. So that was like <laughs> like 4 in the morning Eastern time. And uh, so, yeah. Um, can you say jet lag? Oh, I would imagine. Oh, dude, for like two days. I was like, man, I feel like I have the flu. That's how bad this is. Uh, but it was a, it was definitely uh, worth the pay. Worth the price, you know. Uh, definitely, a little bit of jet lag was uh, was not a big deal for the vacation that we got. So, while I was traveling, though, or maybe right after I was traveling, or something like that, uh, <laughs> you got to travel as well, uh, and you went to a different kind of magical place. Yeah, instead of having jet lag, I had road lag from an eleven-hour road trip to Indianapolis to go to Gen Con, and man, it was well worth it because. This, I I can't even explain to you how ridiculous it was to go there and to experience this. They recently just released the numbers, and on like on opening day, you want to know how many people were there? How many people were there? Just about fifty thousand. No way. No way. Just That's about, crazy. Just about fifty thousand people. Wow. Why are not there not more people listening to this show? <laughs> Come on, people! We are your people. Like, like this is the show for you, man. I, I know I'm talking to people who already listen, so that's that's not helpful. Yeah, you Talk are about quite, preaching to the quite choir, literally huh? preaching to the choir. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, fifty thousand people, and you know you can say that number, and it sounds like a lot, but then you see them, and I had found myself perched on some kind of like balcony overlooking the the main entrance cuz I, I wasn't the kind of guy who needed to get in there and rush the gates and i got Freebie! there 
is. Yeah, it was it was about it was about eight twenty when I walked up to the hall because I was hanging out with uh, Derek White, and he was he had an exhibitor's badge, so he got to go right in. I did not have an exhibitor's badge, so I had to wait. And I was at first I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just wait by the door. Maybe I'll I'll make the initial rush. I'm so glad I didn't because I got video of <laughs> literally waves of people as if they were the ocean of humanity crashing against the doors of Gen Con into the dealer hall. Um, it was it was insane. By the time I finally got to the, the doors, there were already people leaving with their purchases. Dude. Like that, that's how insane that entranceway is. And so there must have been either really good prices or really good exclusives. Yes. And some of them, some of the exclusives, like, I can tell for a fact, like, one of the hot games was the new Firefly board game. Makes sense. And there was an, a Gen Con exclusive ship or something. I couldn't tell you what it is because they sold out. But I saw on that first day, I saw guys leaving with two, three, and four boxes of the Firefly game. And needless now to available say, on eBay. Yeah, needless to say, when I got back to the, the hotel room later that night, I go, I gotta check this. And like three of them were up on eBay already. Yeah, whoever did that, you're a jerk. You're a terrible person. Just so you know. But, uh, but yeah, no, Gen Con, it was, it was crazy to, to hang out both at the, there was one booth that was a combination booth of the Christian Gamers Guild and Fans for Christ. And then I also hung out at the Game Church booth and hung out with the Game Church guys. And both both booths were really fun to hang out at, and they were great experiences. They were completely different experiences. And it, it was cool to kind of get both sides of it. Because at the Game Church booth, they're like, look, here's the deal. We literally just hand stuff to people and say... We're here to tell you that Jesus loves you and give you free stuff. That's what we're here for. And, like, they don't necessarily turn away conversations, but that's pretty much their shtick. Like, we are here to tell you Jesus loves you and give you free stuff. Which is All cool right. because there were people who came up and they talked about, like, the articles that had been written. Or, oh yeah, I got one of these last year. So, that, I mean, it was cool stuff like that. But primarily that one was more along the lines of... Just get stuff into the hands of people. Make that connection. Get the stuff in their hands. And if they want to talk, fine. Which I think there is a place for that. To literally just cut through the crap and say, Look, Jesus loves you. Y- y'all need to know that. So I think I think there, there there is a place for that. And so that was cool. On the, the other side, on the flip side, I was hanging out with the other uh, booth... And needless to say that when Derek and I were manning the uh, Christian Gamers Guild booth, we we were tag-teaming that thing like champs. Like, at one point, we had, like, four or five, six people at the booth, and Derek and I would, like, like divide and conquer. We're like, all right, you talk to those people. I'm talking to these people. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was really happy because it was, like, I think one of my favorite statements that got made was this one dude. He was looking at this stuff, and we're just like, hey, man, how's it going? And he goes, I gotta tell you, you guys make me not hate my own religion. Well, that's nice. And I'm like, that that's kind of cool. 
we had a couple people who weren't who who straight up said you know i don't really believe in anything but i'm happy that you guys are here i'm like okay this is this is pretty cool we had some really good good conversations we met a uh a worship leader and her husband and they're doing a church plant out there and they were talking about how the church really wants to have you know games be a part of what they do because they're in indie so i mean gen con happens every year yeah i mean it was it was really cool and i got to i got to play a handful of really cool games even even though i spent most of the time at the booths um i got to play some really cool games and i got to i got to bunk out on uh Derek white the geek preachers uh hotel room floor and I got to tell you, man, you know, we interviewed Derek and we had some really, I mean, we must've talked to him for like 20 minutes, half hour after the interview. Like we had a lot of fun talking to him, but being able to spend that almost a week with him, it was, it was really cool. And it was really, uh, a good chance to get to know him and to, to see where his heart is. And, and, uh, it, it was really, it was funny too, because on Sunday he preached, which I knew he was going to. But uh, he came into the hotel room the one night. He goes, I got my geek vestments. So I'm like, what the heck did you get? And he had purchased a long leather jacket. And you can see up. I posted pictures of it up on uh, nice up on our Facebook page. And he referred to him as his geek vestments. And he's like, do you think I should do this? I should wear this on Sunday. And I'm like, you should definitely wear that on Sunday. And uh, he was he was rocking it. And it was a good time. But yeah, no, we're we're already planning what we're gonna do next year, because Derek and I we don't know what what it's gonna look like yet. We talked about getting our own booth, like splitting a booth. But uh, I don't know what the, what it's gonna look like. But man, we're already making plans. Nice. So, what games did you get to see? What uh, fun did you get to have? Okay, you already mentioned that the Firefly game that was a big deal. What I didn't get to play the Firefly game. Understand because because oh my goodness. There were certain games that I really wanted to demo, but couldn't simply because if I wanted to demo them, I would have had to wait in line way longer than I was willing to just for the chance to demo these games. The Firefly game was right. one. Sadly, I didn't get to play the Bioshock Infinite game because the wait on trying to get into that demo was insane. You had yeah, to, that's, like, that's sort of unfortunate, and... I mean, I guess with 50,000 people, that's that's the way it's going to be. Right, 50,000 people, they were running two tables of Bioshock Infinite, at most playing four people at a time. <laughs> right, so that that's pretty much an impossibility. That's that's like the guy who gets there and lines up three hours before, you know, the door opens kind of a thing. And And to their credit, they did a really good job of moving people through. The only problem was is that if you weren't there right when the table opened up, it's going to be another 20 minutes, half hour before you're going to be able to, to play it again. And quite frankly, I didn't want to wait 20 minutes to a half hour of just standing there. Right. But I did get in on some cool demos for other games. And out of all the games I demoed, I walked home with uh, two of them. Or, yeah, th three of them, actually. In fact, pretty much every game I bought, I had, I had demoed first. So it was a cool... That's a good experience. Yeah, no, it was... One I was one of them I was definitely looking to get into uh, was the game Masquerade, and it's I don't a think I've heard of that one. Masquerade, it as far as I know, it just got released at Gen Con, but Masquerade, it's a it's a cool party game. It plays up to thirteen, and it's absolute chaos. 
because everybody is dealt a character, but then you keep swapping it and you don't you don't even know who you are after a while. But the whole time you're bluffing your your pants off trying to be like, "All right, I'm I'm the king." And uh, like all the people have their own little abilities and stuff. And and people right. have to ask is he the king? Because in order for, for you to challenge, you have to think that you're the king. And you okay. call it, Oh, it's so it's so crazy. And by the time you're done, you get one guy going, uh, let's pick a different... Uh, I'm I'm the judge. And like four people be like, heck no, I'm the judge. <laughs> it's, so, it's so crazy. You start swapping. All the swapping is done under the table. And I've lost track of how many... Even the guy demoing it was like... Yeah, I've completely lost track of which card is which. <laughs> but no, that game was a ton of fun. It was I, I it was the first game I demoed. Uh, it's designed by a guy that created the game Citadels, which Citadels has been around for a while. It's one of my favorite card games ever. So when I heard that he had designed another game, a lighter kind of game, I'm like, I, I must demo this game. So I was very happy with that. Uh, I While... Trying to get into either either the demo for Bioshock or Mice and Mystics, which is another game oh. that I wanted to play. But did you? I didn't. I didn't oh. get to play Mice and Mystics <laughs> either. No, somebody, the plat- so anybody, somebody on the West Coast, if you have Mice and Mystics and you want to play with me, please give me a call. Dude, Send you me an no, email. You have no idea how tempted I was to buy it because it was at con prices. I was really tempted to buy it, but I had already bought other stuff, and so... Well, and non-con prices are like a billion dollars. Yeah, I was I was literally going on the rubric of, every time I picked something up, I said, can I explain to my wife that I needed to own this now? <laughs> if the answer was yes, I ended up buying it. If the answer was no, I put it down. <laughs> yeah, that's a good man, that's a good man. Alright, so you got Masquerade. I got Masquerade. I... I, I demoed and played a game that's been around for a while this uh it's been around for a while but i is the first time i got a chance to play it a game called ascension mm-hmm. and oh my goodness game. Ascent, ascension is a really fun game you gather your equipment and your troops and your stuff in your hand and you and just you go to fight monsters slaughter monsters right it's so much fun it's it's simple enough that anybody can play it i mean i literally taught the other three people I was playing with how to play this game and complex enough that you're like, all right, do I want to buy another construct? Do I want to fight this guy? What, what do I want to do here? It's so it, it's really cool. And, uh, the other one, the other one from plaid hat, I didn't get to play mice and mystics. I didn't get to play Bioshock, but I did get to play city of remnants. Okay. City of remnants. The concept behind it is this alien race has just gone through the universe destroying planets. I hate it when they do that. Just absolutely just taking over everything. But every time they do this, there's a small portion of the population that is still there. It's still alive. They basically take a handful of people. And what they do is they just kind of dump them in this city, in in Remnant. And so the whole idea is that you're playing one of four gangs trying to be in control of Remnant. This game is mass chaos because there are so many different mechanics going on. You're recruiting new gang members. You're building up, like, buildings and production houses. You're selling that stuff off. You're trying to get money. You're trying to increase your influence. Uh, and 
you're trying there's combat where you're fighting the other guys and every every turn at the end of the the complete turn like this alien race they have like a police force and they drop in like at random spots around the board to like make your life miserable and you'd think with a game with so many different things going on it would just be chaos and confusion and no one knows what's going on after playing that demo, I'm like, this is fantastic. There's a lot going on, but it all makes sense. And yeah, I, I it was funny because I actually ended up coming back like the next day. And the guy who was manning the, the table was the guy who demoed it for me. I'm like, you, you're the one who got me into this. Nice. <laughs> so uh, no, City of Remnant was a great game. I would definitely look into it. It's, again, it's not... If you're in if you're more into the party game or the the lighter game, it might be a bit much. But if you like strategy games, City of Remnant is a ton of fun. A really cool game that's going to be I think the, I I was going back and forth between buying Mice and Mystics or City of Remnant. And the reason I picked City of Remnant is as cool as Mice and Mystics is, at some point you work your way through the story. Right. And that's awesome. Like I played like again since the very beginning of this podcast we've said I love the game Hero Quest. And Mice and Mystics is just Hero Quest but you you're mice. With mice. Right. <laughs> that's fair. So, uh, at some point I want to own Mice and Mystics, but I think the reason I got I ended up getting City of Remnant was because of the fact that literally every time you play it it's going to be different. The cops are going to show up in different places. The stuff that you can get your hands on to buy is going to be different. The The way people move their guys around, it's, it's all going to be different every time. But at the same point, it's not it's not that hard to kind of jump into the game. Once you know what you're doing, it's not hard to get into it. And so I think that's what edged me out into buying that one. Very cool. So was there any other hotness there, that new stuff, announcements, that kind of thing? It, it was kind of crazy all around like everybody had something like the pathfinder card game Mm -hmm. was new and oh my goodness it sold out so quick i can't even tell you (laughs) it looks fun but it also looks really complicated for a card game all right in the same vein the guys from privateer press you know war uh, war machine Mm -hmm. they came out with a card game called high command also looks really cool but really complex i'm trying to think of anything else that was really i mean everybody was there even if I wasn't working a booth, I doubt I'd see. I would see everything. Right. Um, my buddies were working the WizKids booth, and uh, the Star Trek Attack Wing came out. Right. I've seen, saw, heard about that. My buddies were demoing Star Trek Attack Wing the whole weekend, and I gotta say, it looks like it looks like they took the cool stuff of X Wing and kind of upped it a little bit. They kind of upped their game because at its core, it's the same game as X Wing, but they they've kind of tweaked some stuff. The the the, the crew and the captains become much more important. Right. So it's not in just individuals. No, it's um, not. Just, yeah. it, I mean, it's there. You have a crew. And that crew will affect your gameplay. Nice. So um, it's did not. Did you get to see just, the minis? I did. Are they as good as the Star Wars minis? Uh, I would say I would say yes. I didn't get to okay. see them super up close, but like I know the X-wing for a fact. Like those minis are hyper. Like the painting is really great and everything, really detailed. I I couldn't see if the like the the like the paint and everything like that is good, but the the actual mini itself looks gorgeous it looks and, like and to be fair the star trek ships are just a little plainer plainer yeah they're smoother right. 
as far as the look of the ships, they look exactly like they're supposed to. Like, I could tell before he pointed out who was the Klingon, who was the Romulan, who was the uh, Federation. I could tell that before they pointed anything out. So that's always a good um trying to there's so much going on. I'm not gonna lie. I, there was one thing that I liked. I don't know how much other other people would like it. I'm a huge cartoon nerd and they announced that next year they're gonna release a munchkin that's themed around uh the cartoon adventure time. Oh <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, I, I might end up getting it next year because I love Adventure Time and to have a, a game of Munchkin it, that, I mean, that's just that's just mathematical. That's just awesome. Nice. But yeah, I mean, literally, I could I could just sit here rattling off the craziness and the awesomeness. Um, that doesn't even talk about the other stuff that happened. Like, I went to Tracy Hickman's Killer Breakfast, which, oh my goodness, I'm so next year I'm planning to go to tr- to this event. It's so crazy. Um, basically, Tracy Hickman invites a whole bunch of people up on the table, and he asks, you know, they they all have pre preset uh, character sheets. And he just goes through the story, and he's like, and this is how all of you die. Get off the table. And and you just bring in a whole bunch of new people. By the time we were done, he was talking about a story about how they were French hobbits fighting Godzilla in Paris. And Godzilla had zombie smurfs in a ball of red duct tape attached to his tail. Just, wet, you know, just going through the city as he fought Mothra. And it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen, but it was so freaking hilarious. Like, the guy who who, who kind of said that Godzilla was attacking, actually, he spoke in Japanese, and he had buddies of his going across the back of the stage with, uh, pieces, of pa- with pieces of paper that had his subtitles. Nice. That's oh, it was intense. so great. It was so great. Um, Tracy Hickman started it off by... By, like I said, these are French hobbits, so they were doing a Les Mis theme. And so Tracy Hickman started off the event by coming out and singing Master of the Game. And it's, you know, set to Master of the House from Les Mis, but it's all about DMing. Nice. We had the Faith in Gaming panel, which was fantastic. I got to meet Larry Elmore, the man who drew my childhood. <laughs> and to hear Larry Elmore talk about what it was like, like, working with the guys at TSR during the 80s when... D&D was considered akin to Satan worship and to hear him talk about that to hear him talk about his own faith like how he grew up in this hardcore conservative fundamentalist Christian church and now he's like I I love God but man sometimes his people upset me <laughs> but to see him practically like breaking down he goes he goes the fact that this panel happens the fact that all you guys came out for this this gives me hope and I'm like wow this is a moment very nice well, you know, I think something's happening, you know, and it's been happening for a while, but I definitely think there's a growing confluence of these two worlds. Oh, yeah, I would definitely. Uh, I mean, even even with uh, the fact that we, we had the booths, both the Game Church and the, the Christian Gamers Guild Fans for Christ side of things, I would say, like, you, you'd think when I initially said that, you'd probably be like, oh, man, you probably got all sorts of people giving you a hard time. Honestly... I had one woman gave me the stink eye for no good reason. We didn't we didn't say anything. She just gave me the stink eye. Uh, according to reports, Will Wheaton was not happy that we were there. Okay. I, I cannot confirm nor deny this because I wasn't there when he walked by, but apparently they got sneers from Will Wheaton. And uh, one guy who is a Christian saw the sign that says, you know, Jesus loves gamers, and he was upset that we, we put that up there. And so I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a little weird. But yeah, I mean, sadly, true to form, I think that, that the Christian presence at Gen Con and cons like it, more often than not, the hostility that they get is from other Christians. Which is absolutely ridiculous to me. But, it, you know, now I can say in my experience, that's the only hostility we got. In fact, uh, I met a guy who, you know, makes absolutely no claims to faith, but he runs a convention, like, a half hour from my house. And he was like, dude, if you want to talk about setting up a booth at our con, let me know. So, yeah, that might happen. Nice. But, yeah, I mean, Gen Con, it's... It's the kind of place that you hear about. It's the kind of event that, you, you know, you can't get into the gaming culture and not know about Gen Con. And, yeah, man, it's <laughs> it's a thing. It's something to be experienced. Uh, I'm going to put together a video, I hope anyway, and kind of put some, some pictures together because I couldn't really take good video because my camera does not do video well and by not do video well i mean not do audio well yeah well it's hard to do audio in a place like that as well right there's so much background noise oh well as as it stands i'm already i'm taking notes i was taking notes the whole time being like all right this is what we need to do better next year right because i there you know it's your first experience there yeah from word go i was like all right i'm already coming back there's not a question of if i'm coming back i'm coming back so it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. I, I'm also gonna be looking to recruit minions. Ooh, minions! I I want to recruit minions because beetle, 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 I would. <laughs> Sorry. I would. I would. I would love because there's there was so much. There's literally so much stuff that no one person's gonna see at all. Even if you're not doing a booth, even if you're constantly walking around the con, checking into everything. I was there every day, and I spent at least. Even when I worked the con, when I worked the booth the whole day, there was still like two or three hours where I wasn't doing that. And eat, by the by end of day Saturday, I was like, "Ooh, I didn't even see this booth." I got home and I saw pictures of the fact that the company that makes Once Upon a Time, one of my favorite card games ever, was there, and they were selling stuff like a new expansion. And I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea they even had a booth at Gen Con. Like, one of my favorite games ever, and I had no idea they were there. Like, that's how big everything is there. So, yeah, I want minions. So, if you happen to be in the greater Indianapolis or New Jersey area and would like to be part of my minion brigade, please contact me. <laughs> but yeah, I, bet, no. I bet you get some responses from that. Oh, dude, I want I want a team of minions. I, you can be my video minion, and you can be my still picture minion. You can be my buy cool stuff minion. That minion is my favorite minion, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So uh, you're, you're the minion who's gonna you know convince my wife that it's a good idea that I spent this money. That minion has the hardest job of all. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, you got to experience a whole lot of new games. I did actually get to play two games that I never played before this week. Okay. Um, with, uh, our gamer group. Our gamer group is, it's pretty cool. Unfortunately, I can only go every other week. And, and I think it's pretty normal, right? There are a couple of people who are there every week, but for the most part, that's how gamer groups are. Like, you, you kind of can get there when you can get there, you know? And yesterday happened to be one of the times when a lot of people were able to get in there. And we all just happened to be there at the same time. So that was pretty cool. Uh, you mentioned Munchkin. I actually played a, a Steve Jackson game, an old one, uh, called Burn in Hell. <laughs> I can't say I've heard of that one. You know, it uh, basically you're collecting groups of uh, sinners, uh, actual historical people, 
um, and you are trying to you are uh, an administrator in hell and you're trying to organize these people into uh, logical systems uh, so a group of four or more that share certain traits and things like that and if you can get them to share multiple traits or if there's a bigger group you get multipliers and things like that that game was funny but some serious analysis paralysis happening there because each card had maybe 10 different modifiers on it uh, that you're trying to combine so that was uh, that was okay but the one I wanted to talk about you know this group's been going for maybe six months and there are certain games that I would say are a test of a gaming group okay not like we're gonna test you but just like you kind of know how the gaming group is based on how this the game plays right okay uh you know, I, you've talked a lot uh, over the episodes about your favorite card game, Once Upon a Time. Oh, yeah. And how it can be super fun, or if your group's not good, it can suck. Yeah, if you don't have the right group, that game tanks. Uh, and so we played Dixit last night. Okay. And uh, for those who don't know, Dixit is a game where you are given a, a series of cards, and you, if you, when it's your turn, you are trying to describe your card. And you're trying to describe it using uh, an evocative term. Uh, uh, you could do a paragraph. You can do a story. You could do uh, most of the time it was like a sentence um, or a, kind of a phrase, something like that. And what you're trying to do is is get people to select your card, but not all of them. But if it's super obvious, you actually lose points. So, for example, let's say you have a picture of a feast. And if you just say a feast, you're going to be in trouble uh, because everybody else also puts down one of their cards that they feel like represents whatever you said. And if they can get others to choose their card, they get points. And so you're trying to describe in a way that is both evocative and actually uh, to will lead people to your card, but not in a simple, straightforward way. Uh, whereas others are trying to use whatever you said to inspire them to choose whichever card they feel like their card best matches what you said so that they can get some points on that turn as well. And it could be really lame. Uh, yeah, you know, I you can know. see that. I, I have never had a bad game of Dixit, but I can easily see... How that could happen. But it turned out to be really awesome. Uh, you know, we had the one guy who was doing, uh, like, like musical references to everything. Another who was who was pulling out, like, uh, bits from stories. Uh, nice. Things like that. Um, so very cool. And, you know, we had a lot of veterans to the game group. We even had some new people. And very fast to pick up. Very fun to play. Really pretty inexpensive game as well. It's really simple. It's just basically a deck of cards. Um, and though, man, the, there's a board can, now. If you can look, if you can look up on like Google or something, the, the art. artwork yeah. on Dixit cards, they are gorgeous. Yeah, they kind of have this pastel. Like for for whatever reason, for me, it evokes the circus. Oh yeah. I yeah yeah. I mean, it's there's nothing circusy about it necessarily. But when you see the pictures, I think you'll probably understand what I mean by that. And so, yeah, that was a, that was a real fun experience. And it was kind of like, you know, by the time it was done, everybody's like, yeah, see you next week. This is awesome. You know? Um, 
so that was cool. Uh, I'm glad that group exists and that I, I get to be part of it, even if it's only every other week. But yeah, so it sounds like, uh, uh, you know, we've, we're almost 40 minutes into this episode. We haven't even gotten to the, the news of the week. Uh, uh, the, oh my goodness, nerd rage news. Batflack! Yay! Okay, so... We gotta talk about it. We absolutely have to. There's no way... There's no way we can't talk about it. Ben Affleck is going to be starring as Batman vis-a-vis Henry Cavill's Superman. That's strange. <laughs> strange is about the best way I can describe it. You know, and especially with like, I, I mean, how does... <laughs> uh... I, I'm, by the way, audience, you're going to hear that. I'm not editing that out. That that response right there is shared by nerds the world over. You know, I mean, how do you go – how does one company, you know, go from saying, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do Christopher Nolan and we're going to get Christian Bale to play this really hard, dark, deeply psychologically intense – Batman, and then it's going to be Ben Affleck. Okay. I don't understand this. How can somebody make... I mean, I mean, never mind that I don't like Superman. Never mind that I really don't like putting Superman and Batman together in the same world. How do you... People, we have to make mental transitions between one movie and the next. Okay. So here are my thoughts on the subject. And I'm very thankful that there was a, a full day... Between <laughs> the announcement of this and us recording this podcast. Because my initial response was full-on nerd rage. My initial response was, oh my goodness, how dare you do this? What stupid man in a business suit decided that this was going to be the best course of action? Because clearly it was a financial one, not a this man should play Batman one. I have been talked down from the ledge. And here's some here's some positives in Ben Affleck's favor. One, all the the movies that people cite for why he's a terrible terrible actor, most yeah, of them are yeah. like ten years old. That's fine. Two, the man has won awards for acting and directing very recently. There, one person tried to convince me that Daredevil wasn't a bad movie, and that I couldn't abide by. Wrong. Daredevil. <laughs> Daredevil was an awful movie. True. But that was only partly Ben Affleck's fault. <laughs> but, but, but same situation. See, what what I'm going to say is, is that I no longer think it's necessarily the worst choice ever. But what I'm going to say is, is that I am still, you're going to have to prove to me that this was a good choice. I don't think these two franchises should be coming together right now. For me, that's the bigger issue. I, I can see that. But, you know, it's bound to happen because there are so many Batman-Superman crossovers. You know they're trying to set up Justice League. And you can't set up Justice League without having the Batman-Superman movie. It can't happen. I, I think, though, you need the Batman movie where Batman is just Batman. Right. But, yeah. Because right now we're going from Christian Bale is Batman. He's Batman. Okay. See, that's, the, that. that's the other reason I think there's a lot of nerd rage right now is because we've been so used to that Batman 
And we like him. <laughs> that no matter no matter what happened. Remember when the first Batman movie, the first Christopher Nolan Batman movie came out. Everyone was like making fun of Christian Bale for the horrible voice. And, you know, the, the I can't breathe through my cowl that doesn't have a nose hole. Like, everyone was doing nothing but making fun of him. Now when he leaves, everyone's like, oh man, he was Batman. Fair enough. What I'm going to say is, is that I think we're dealing with another Heath Ledger moment here. Because I can say for a fact that when they first announced Heath Ledger is playing the Joker, I said, bull crap. I, when they first announced it, I'm like, there's no way. He's going to ruin it. This is going to suck. This is going to be the worst thing ever. And there, I mean, there, it, it, he can't do the Joker well. There's no way. And then Heath Ledger, quite frankly, in my opinion, had the definitive live action Joker performance. I will still say Mark Hamill does a better Joker, but he's also has the benefit of, you know, doing the voice for an animation. I would say that Heath Ledger, in my opinion, is like the definitive live action Joker. But when they announced him, I thought he was going to ruin the part. I think that we're kind of jumping the gun. I still, I, I'm still, that's fair. That's I'm still fair. worried. Don't get me wrong. I still don't think he's going to be good, but I think that the nerd rage that's been going on, including my own, including my own, I will totally cop to it. I put a thing on the, on the GSP Facebook page saying, I can't believe this. I hope it's a, a horrible, cruel joke. I did that, but I think that we're jumping the nerd rage gun. I think that there will be plenty of opportunity for him to prove that it sucks. <laughs> Fair enough. But until he proves that it sucks or it's awesome, I think we need to tone down the nerd rage. <laughs> well, but this is a thing, though. I mean, you know, and it's one of the reasons why I am kind of real open about the fact that I'm not a big fan of superhero comics. And a big yes. part of that is because of all of the reincarnation and retconning. Oh my uh, goodness, DC, the number of DC retcons. I mean, they had to make um, the multiverse. They created the multiverse because of the number of retcons. Right. And I, I don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy the fact that these movies are being made over and over and over again that are essentially the same stories, you know, just with a different face. That being said, we also have one other bit of news that's a little late because we've been traveling, but we have not yet talked about. And that is we have another reincarnation. Oh, no. We have a new doctor. We do. And I love him. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I will not lie. I When I nerd raged over the Affleck Batman, the exact flip coin of this with my, what do I, nerd love for, for the new doctor... I have a funny feeling that, I mean, granted, depending on how they write him, you can get the, the best actor ever, and if they write him poorly, it's going to suck. But provided they have a decent writer, and provided they don't just try to make this gentleman be like Matt Smith... I don't think so. I don't think they will, which is why I'm nerd-loving. Yeah, I think this this is going to be going back to the older, more gentlemanly... We're gonna we're gonna Doctors. have more of a of a Hartnell kind of right. old school like classy. I think we're gonna see more of the the older folk. You know, back back when it was more of a of an established character. They weren't going for the the cheese. Which, granted, I love me some Matt Smith, but come on, the man's cheese. He's he's prat falling practically. He's mentally prat falling. And you know, David Tennant, amazing, but he was also he was 
a little bit goofy. I think we're going to get a more refined Doctor, which we haven't seen in a good long while. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about uh, Capaldi's age, and I don't care about whether he's young or old. I think he's going to be a much more mature, refined Doctor, which we haven't seen in ages. Now, tell and me, I'm though, looking forward to it. When we see the storylines that have developed since the the relaunch of Doctor Who, they have been toward the sort of darker side. Oh, yeah. They, they've been more about, you know, in a lot of ways, a death. The, the death pangs of the Doctor, right? Dude, a good man goes to war. Yeah, well, Done. yeah. Enough said. So I'm interested to see if they continue that. Because for whatever reason, for me, when I think of the, the more gentlemanly Doctor, I think of him guiding people and and making the right choices and, in, you know, intervening to stop humanity from doing the stupid things that we do. So I'm interested to see just how the stories change. I'm interested to see, you know, who the companions are going to be. I, You know, there's so much going on. Well, um, I, still, I still think it's going to be fun to watch. When they announced him, there was a roar through the fan base because, like it or not, a good portion of the newer fans of Doctor Who were loving... They they came in during the David Tennant years, and they went from David Tennant to Matt Smith, and there's a wave of teenage girl Whovians... That's true. Who I didn't really think about that. Who, let's just say it, they were into Who for the eye candy. I mean, it was nerd eye candy, but it was still eye candy. And now you have this more refined, gentlemanly, and let's just call a spade a spade... Older Old. Doctor Who, and the 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 crazy fangirls are enraged, and quite frankly, you know I don't question anybody's fandom. I really don't. I if if you're a fan, I don't care why you got in. More power to you. I hate the whole fake geek girl thing. I hate that noise, like it's going out of style. But quite frankly, the there are gonna be folks who get really upset that that. Doc, the doctor isn't pretty in in the classical sense of the word and i will be thankful to see them leave because i'm i'm looking forward to this doctor i really am the thing that's really interesting to me is uh, above and beyond capaldi being named as the new doctor it's the fact that we're literally if you're going by the lore if you're going by the established rule this is technically the last regeneration of the doctor time lords are only supposed to have their first, you know, their first life, and then 11 regenerations. If you go by that... Not a chance. We're on The Last Doctor. And, I just saw this, they asked Stephen Moffat in an interview on a Doctor Who slash Sherlock panel, they asked him, are you aware of the fact that there's only supposed to be 12 Doctors? And he said, yes, I am aware of it. He goes, we're not skirting it. It's a thing, and we're going to have to deal with it. So I'm really, I mean, there's no way they're going to let the doctor die. There's no way. But seeing as he acknowledged that it is a thing and they're not just going to sweep it under the rug, I'm really curious to see how they handle that. Yeah, I, well, you know, and it's, I, 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 the thing I love about Doctor Who is that this generation of Doctor Who has been really respectful. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm going to say, I know this sucks, but I think the the comic book kind of stuff we're talking about is not. okay. Kind of, I, I think I know where you're going, but... No, I, I, I just... I mean, that's like... To me, that's the comparison. Like, why does it not bother me at all 
when there's a new Doctor. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll miss David Tennant forever, but... There's a difference between I have a favorite Doctor and, oh my goodness, the next Doctor's going to ruin it. Right. So it doesn't bother me when there's a new Doctor, but it does bother me when there's a new Batman. Because for me, it's that thing, right? You, you don't go from Christian Bale to Ben Affleck. I mean, you're right, it could be fine, but that's like insane. It, it would be like going from Matt Smith to Adam Sandler. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I just, don't get me wrong, I like Adam Sandler. <laughs> but I, he's I, not the I, doctor, right? He's not I mean, the doctor. He's right. not, no, he's just not. You know, and that that's kind of like the, the level of, in a way, disrespect or, or just, like like you said, it has a lot to do with money and, and uh, that I don't enjoy. Now, we're getting a little long in the tooth in this episode, so I do want to make the transition here and throw out a, a concept for you. Okay. Does Jesus get retconned? <laughs> okay. I, again, I'm going to ask you to try it. I, I can... Yeah, I, you can't right, use so the term like history, Jesus and retcon in the same sentence and not have me define okay. the terms. Throughout history, Jesus has been viewed in lots of different ways. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jesus, uh, as, a, as a member of the Trinity... Jesus and his incarnation and what Jesus did on the cross have been viewed in a number of ways. And in, in a lot of ways, it, it does kind of work like a new doctor or a new Batman or a new Superman or whatever. You know, the, the popular perception of Jesus has changed throughout history. You know, so the question then becomes, when we look at our perception of Jesus, we have to wonder, okay, so... Have we been refining Jesus along the way? Have we been just simply seeing Jesus in a mirror of our own culture? And have people in the past been wrong? How do we know we're not wrong? Is there an original Jesus that we need to get back to? Or is it normal and natural for people to see Jesus from whatever perspective they're coming from? So basically, are we are we seeing Jesus for who he is? Or are we seeing Jesus the way we expect to see him well and there's the the third option as well is that jesus is a very big character oh yeah and are we I seeing mean, what we need he, to see in him he's right now? god i mean right you you don't get bigger than that and so is it okay for us to see jesus in the way we need to see him right now in our culture in our world and two thousand years after he came which is a very different than somebody who saw him on the, the day that he came somebody who, who saw him in the middle ages somebody who saw him in the Reformation, you know, is that okay? Or do we need to try to get rid of all the retcon and get back to the original character? I think there's a little bit of both. And oddly enough, I think I actually can make the comparison again with comic books. Because, especially in DC, they've had so many different reincarnations, Golden Age, Silver Age every age new 52 i mean there's so many different versions of these characters and every time they change it there's somebody who's gonna say i remember back in the day when we did this and quite frankly anybody who cites golden age golden age dc comics were weird let's just call that the way it is they're weird there's some goofy stuff going on and i think our perception of jesus not the you know let's stop the haters before they start we're not saying Jesus is changing. No, no, We're no, saying no, no, no. Our, our perception of him yeah. is changing. And I think that's accurate. 
I think that the way we see him, we're going to color the text and the, the history that we have of Christ and his life and the gospels. I think we're going to color that the way we see it because we can't, we can't not read it from our perspective. You can try to get as much of an outside source as you can, but you're always going to read the text as you. And so I think there is an, an element of, yeah, we need to kind of cut back the retcon. But at the same point, I think sometimes the original stuff, the original percep perception isn't necessarily better. And I'm, I'll, I'll clarify that because if you look at the history of how the church has perceived Christ, I... It's not always been pleasant. I mean, there's a reason why, if, like, a lot of times we have this idea of God as, I refer to him as whack-a-mole Je whack Jesus, because he pops up and everyone thinks that he's the one with the hammer trying to smack us down. There's this perception of, a, of the, the guilt-laden God where we, you know, we're, we're literally just trying to appease a God who is making us feel like crap for not being the way it's supposed to be. And for a lot of, I can't really say like, obviously like early church as in right after, right after Christ was here with us. And a lot of that, that age, I think, I think you're going to get the good stuff in that. But like right after that, right after that age, you get the, the, the Christian equivalent of the golden age where things get really weird and things are not cool. And the stories just get nuts. Well, and what was happening was that Christ was experiencing many new cultures. Right. Uh, right around 300 or so, there be is the first, like, massive missionary movement. And, you know, Christianity spreads through Rome. Rome is basically conquering the whole world. Right. And so you've got Christianity in amongst the, uh, the Germanic tribes. You've got Christianity in Asia. You've got Christianity in Africa. You've got Christianity in, in uh, Northern Europe that all of these groups and what happens was the people who were there on the ground doing the work began to try to explain Jesus through the lenses of these cultures. Right. You know, and missionaries do that right now. You know, how many times do we hear these great stories of the missionaries coming and explaining who Jesus is and the people basically saying, well, we already know him. We just call them something else. You know, uh, I, I still I still get goosebumps every time uh, a professor of mine at seminary told a story of how uh, a missionary friend of his was in Africa, just kind of going literally around the continent. And uh, he finds out that the, the place where he was staying on the other side of this mountain is this nomadic tribe that everyone was trying to find, but they're nomadic, so it's kind of hard to find them. So he finds out that they're right there and he goes, you know, gets on his motorcycle, goes up the mountain, comes down and he meets these guys. And, you know, when you're dealing with people who literally might not even necessarily have a written language, you don't start with Jesus. You start with the creation. So he's working his way up through Genesis and, and the stories of, of, of Genesis. And he gets, maybe he gets to like Joseph and all of a sudden, the, the chief looks at him and goes, so when are you going to tell us about Jesus? And so the guy gets really freaked out, and so he kind of makes everybody nervous. But after after they all calm down, he goes, was there another person like me who came and told you about Jesus? He goes, no. I, I was dreaming last night, or I was sleeping last night, and I had a dream. 
This man said that a white man was going to come and he was going to tell me about Jesus and I should listen to him. You're clearly the white man. I want to know about Jesus. And yeah, I, I, I love that story. And at the same point, I'm, I'm, there's part of me that, that is like, wants to, to jump up and be the conservative guys is Jesus. You know, God doesn't work like that anymore. And I'm like, I, I shut that <laughs> man up. I well, shut that idiot up. <laughs> so, and the, here's the thing is that almost all of Christian history is recorded. Right. And so we have all of these stories of Christ interacting with new cultures and the mess, the absolute mess that happens when that happens. It's a mess that is redemptive, but it's, but it's a, mess. a mess. And guess what? It's a mess with us too. You know, we may look at Jesus and think, that's our Christian bail. We love this Jesus. But you know what? We're, we've got a skewed view as well. And we need to realize that our perspective of Jesus is not whole. It's okay. It's not a problem. But it's not whole. And so we have to be careful when we're, we, we act as if we know the perfect Jesus. You know, we, we only know a part. That doesn't mean that uh, you can't love Jesus just as much as you do. But we have to be gracious to those who maybe have seen G Jesus differently. And also, just consider the fact that when you get to heaven, you're going to run into some, you know, crazy monks from the 6th century. And <laughs> they love Jesus just as much as you do even though they sat on top of poles. Well, I, I, a good piece of advice that I was given when, when, cause when you study the, the Bible, the way, the way we did, when they literally tell you to, you know, read each book three times, read 4,000 pages about, of guys talking about those books that you just read, you know, and then, you know, interact with them. Uh, a good piece of advice I was given is always remember that the people who created the worst heresies of the church read the same Bible that you did. And it's, it's a very humbling thing to realize that. Because now it's really easy for us to be like, oh man, those guys are ridiculous. I can't believe they came up with that. Where on earth did they come up with that, that horrible thing? And you realize from the exact same text that you're reading. <laughs> right. And from the exact same text where you're coming up with your ingenious with, ideas. Right. And I think I think that's a big thing. And I think that's... Kind of to, to, to bookend this with the Gen Con experience, one of the coolest parts about Gen Con for me was the Sunday morning church service. And, you know, there's part of me that, that bucks about telling this because it seems so obvious. Yes, we're the Christian Geek Podcast. We're going to talk about the church service like it's the best thing. I, <laughs> I think... I think our audience knows that if I didn't actually believe that, that it was the best thing, I wouldn't say that. I... I I rage against the obvious Jesus answer, unless it's true. Uh, I will say that the church service was my favorite part of the week. And it's because of the fact that I knew for a fact that in a room, it was a fairly decent sized room too. I don't know what the final head count was, but it was a fairly decent sized room and we pretty much filled it. I promise you that you have people from different traditions, different denominations, different theological backgrounds, different worship style preferences, like, everything we do is different. But on Sunday, we gathered together, and none of that mattered. Because we were all there as gamers who love Jesus, understanding that we were all coming together to praise his name. And I think we need to do more of that. Now, don't get me wrong, I think there is a place 
for the, for trying to go closer and closer to the truth of Christ to a, a f- as full a knowledge of God as we can. I'm not claiming, you know, theological laziness, but I think sometimes we get way, way bent out of shape over stuff that we shouldn't get bent out of shape with. And, you know, hanging out with, with Derek, he gets a lot of crap for doing what he does. And I'm not going to go into it. It's not my business to put his stuff on the street. But I'm going to say he has he has experienced some crap over what he does. And a lot of it is, you know, due to these weird, not accurate, not worth pushing lines that we put between each other. Uh, when we should be getting together in unity, when we should be pressing on for what for what Christ has said, we end up pushing an agenda that we think is Jesus and it isn't. And yeah, I think I think that there's a lot to be said for understanding that maybe our G- our Jesus needs to get retconned because just because you think that you have the definitive the definitive understanding of who God is literally unless you were standing there with the man standing there as you know paul dictated his letters unless you were there you're just trying to figure it out like the rest of us and i think that there's a level of humility that the church needs i think there's a humility that 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 geeks in general need and we've we've said that before i think there's you know just because your game system your comic book hero your tv show changes or it isn't the way you thought it should be or you know it it it's not an excuse to just say it was better back before. I, I don't like that it changed, you know, and rage against some some silly little line. Rage the fact that there are people who are playing in your sandbox that you didn't you don't think has deserved the right to play there. I we spend way too much time on that crap, and I think we need to just realize that we're all just trying to figure out what the right answer is. Well, on that note, I think. We, uh, we come to a close, our, our Gen Con edition of Game Store Profits. Uh, Mike, how can folks uh, find out more about the show uh, get connected with us? Uh, you can check out the, the, obviously our website is GameStoreProfits.com. Uh, you can also check us out on iTunes and on Stitcher. And uh, if you want, it'd be great if you can stop by either of those websites and give us some some good reviews as, as I'm, I'm prone to say lately, we don't ask for reviews because we want to feel good about ourselves. We acknowledge the fact that we're a podcast. That's a niche within a niche and it makes it really difficult for people to find us though. We love the fact that you guys are finding us, but I mean, we think that there's a, a lot more people out there that would be looking for something like this that don't know that we're here because we didn't know the other people that, or have kind of come alongside us. We didn't know they were there at first. So if you guys can stop by, give us some reviews just so that it makes it easier for other people to find us. That would be awesome. Uh, you can also be part of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash game store profits. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, at GS profits. And, uh, yeah, I think that's most of it. <laughs> Feel free. If you, if you want to, uh, if you want to find out more, if you have questions or if, you just want to say hi or even make a recommendation of things that you want to hear on the show, you can email us at gamestoreprofits at gmail.com. That also applies if you want to apply to be a minion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm you taking minion you. applications as of now. Awesome. Uh, if Do you have a freeze ray? Sadly, I 
don't. Oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. Folks, uh, as always, we're so thrilled that you hung out with us for an hour. Don't know why you do it, but we're glad that you are. Uh, and uh, remember that God doesn't change. Even if our perspective on him does, even if we rewrite the story ten times over, God doesn't change. And remember, he's the game master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays.